Assalamu alaikum and welcome to a, another episode of the TMV podcast. Today I'm joined by Sheikh Muhammad Javad Shamali, a guest you've no doubt heard in the past uh, on our previous podcast episodes. Um, just a, a phenomenal guy, really. Um, I love his mindset, I love his like, positive energy and, and his vibes, and he. he just focuses so much on God centricity, right? Which is one of the things that really, really like draws me to um, his lectures and, and the stuff that he does on social media and stuff. So um, it was an honor for me to actually have him on this podcast. Um, and inshallah, I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. So in this in this episode, we're really talking about how to find God. And obviously that's a really big question. So there's so many kind of uh, aspects and facets to that. So we thought we'll just start there and inshallah in future podcasts we'll dissect each of those uh, bits and pieces uh, with a bit more focus. We also speak a little bit about his new book that's just recently been published um, and so you can find more information in the link in the description. So without further ado let's jump straight into the podcast. How do we find God? What's our first step? That's a beautiful question. <laughs> so we're doing this yeah. Um, uh, in the name of God who we are trying to find <laughs> uh, I, I think the first step in finding God is knowing that um, what we already have is not uh, enough you know if we think that just by reading a few books or listening to a few lectures or classes we have discovered God and we can uh, you know, mention a few phrases and that's it, God. Um, that is going to be very limiting. And I think that's the problem that a lot of us were, were suffering from. You know, if you, I know God. Yeah, God is, I can even, I was taught classes on God, you know. It's something we're really good at, talking and like knowing things. And um, I think it's so important to step back from all the things we know and try to, um, maybe revisit the whole things that we were told and like okay okay i know these things i know for example god is there's one god i know that god is all powerful you know this this that okay fair enough i've, I've known all of that but these are not god these are just some words these are just some phrases that are trying to point us to a reality and and i think a lot of us unfortunately don't take this step back like okay maybe i don't know god maybe god is a reality I can uh, start to think about, encounter. And this immediately puts us on a, on a whole journey in life. And it's such an exciting journey. And, um, and, and I think the first step is to acknowledge that we don't know God yet. God himself says in the Quran, Subhanallah amma yasifun, right? I'm far above the descriptions you're given. Right, Subhanallah, my Yusufun. The descriptions they gave you of me, I'm far above that. Allah says there are few purified people exceptions, but overall, most people, the idea they have of God is not God; it's just an idea. And God is a reality. God is real. You can encounter God. You can, and so just having this attitude that okay, maybe I can relearn about God. Maybe I can encounter God. I think puts the person on a journey that is so beautiful and so rewarding. So I would say that's the first step. Something that was uh, one of like, I guess like the, the early flashpoints in, in the Muslim vibe, right? In 2014 was this, um, 
I guess you can call it this. You know, God gives you these years where they may not necessarily on paper be the best time of your life, right? But there's a tremendous amount of growth that kind of happens in like the space of six months or 12 months, right? And and, and, and that's really like just natural occurrences. It's not like you've started a course or something like that. Um, so 20, 2012, 2013 is kind of like, I recall a year like that for myself. And I always kind of go back to that, right? And there's a whole long story. Uh, one, one day we'll, 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 share, we'll share that story. But um, in, in the summarized uh, essence, what I arrived at was Allah who. So you just, uh, you're talking about how God is above these descriptions, right? And it's, it's like, so on this journey, you're trying to kind of like, oh, so if God works like that, and then if I do this, then he will do that. Then da, da, da. And even when you go into the metaphysical space, I start thinking about like, oh, where is he? Is he actually located on clouds or da, da, da? Is he in every molecule? Um, if that means molecules, then what about all the najis molecules? Like, you know, all of these, you can kind of go through all of these kind of like um, conversations and, and stuff like that in your mind. But then the, the, the very simple reality and the most profound reality is what? Allahu. Just this very simple statement in Islam. And when when understood, I guess, with that kind of after like being on one of those kind of like crazy journeys of trying to, of, of pursuit, right? It's the most relieving it's like this like sigh of relief, like Allahu. Okay, that's it. Allahu. God is, right? And then there's the whole that whole sting from it of trying to prove him or trying to debate him or trying to uh, fit him into what you've learned from your family and it, and your personal challenges <coughs> and all that kind of stuff. It just takes him out above all of that and only leaves him, right? But then Sheikh Javad, I feel like Allah gives everyone this opportunity in their life one way or the other. Right and, and and they'll arrive in various conclusions, but the same conclusion almost. Right? Why is it that we can't keep God? I think well, we know it's it's difficult to talk about um, a we uh, because like there are, you know so many diverse kind of experiences. Um, I'm I'm speaking to a lot of youth right now as well who are saying that. Um, it's been the relationship with God who's helped them, you know, who's kept them throughout their challenges. So some people have managed to, um, some people want to, they find it difficult. Of course, there's no blame there as well. So it's it's very difficult to speak because mashallah, the Muslim community is such a large and diverse group. But I think one of the problems we are suffering from uh, in, 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 in large sections of, of the Muslim community is we've almost uh, forgotten uh, what's um, what's religion, you know? Like you were saying, for example, this trying to prove God exists and these debates. And now you see a lot of people, their idea of, of God, like when they want to do something for God or for the religion, they get into these debates, let's prove God, let's prove this, let's do that. And, and I want to say, Often these are with a lot of beautiful intentions, right? But that's not what really religion is, right? Uh, even if you go and prove to someone that, oh, God exists, these are all things you do to then get into religion, you know? Okay, then God exists and then you start your journey. Uh, 
right? So I feel like a lot of the times we're so focused on the surface things, like not too deep. Um, and, 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 and we are suffering as a result of that. And this shows itself. The way we talk about religion, we fight over it. And in the meantime, we lose the essence of what religion is. because, or, or when we want to pray, we have this attitude of um, just focusing on the surface of it. Like as long as your recitation is fine, your clothes are pure, that's it. Okay, but prayer is meant to be a meeting with God. Yeah, forget about that. I'll just do it, you know, make sure the recitation with Quran. Make sure that Hajweed is correct, which is of course important, but okay. Do you feel changed as a result of reading the Quran? Did you encounter something? So these kind of the depth, we can say we've forgotten it. And um, and I think by just reminding ourselves that there's much more we can um, gain from this religion, this this idea that there's more. You know, religion is not just fighting with someone over whether your you know view is right or not. Prayer is not just um, the tajweed. There's much more. Prayer is, is a meeting with God. Literally, that's what it is. Pray so you remember me. So. Prayer is a meeting with God, remembrance of God. And I think by paying attention to these kind of things, expecting more, then we will get to a very interesting discussion, which is also the answer to your question. We'll realize that oh, one thing we're lacking in Muslim, a lot of Muslim communities is methodology. A lot of people don't know a kind of guaranteed way towards spirituality. They may encounter it by accident. They go to a Hajj trip, they feel spiritual, or maybe, I don't know. But people don't know what is it that if I do will get me there. And, and so they say, I should pray. Okay, I will pray. I should fast. I will do that. Read the Quran, I do that. When we do it for 20, 30 years, but a lot of us, we don't get there. Or if we get there, as you said, we can't keep it. And, and so this is the issue we need to talk about, I think, methodology. What are our guaranteed methodology and why is it that our rituals for a lot of people don't get them to where they want to? And um, I'm sure there's going to be a YouTube comment. So this guy is saying we shouldn't pray. I did not say that, my beautiful friend. I did not say that. I'm saying let's benefit more from it. Naturally, my follow-up question to that is, is, is how can we benefit more from these things? Having that expectation of your salat of your recitation of Quran, right? Because see what happens is, you know, this is like such an important point. There's a hadith by uh, Ali ibn Abi Talib. Um, he says the, the, the first step, the most important step of religion is knowing God, right? And, and I think that's such an important topic because when you want to pray, if you just think prayer is a checklist that you have to do, it's an obligation you have towards this God, that if you don't fulfill, he's going to punish you. And if you do, you're going to go to heaven. Well, you don't expect that much from your prayer because like I'm doing this, right? I, I, if I just do it, that's it. Checklist done. No expectation. It shouldn't change me. But as soon as you realize, no, God wouldn't want me to do anything that's not good for myself. He doesn't need me. God says, God doesn't need any of us. Okay. So he told us to pray. Why did he do that? Because it's good for me. Something needs to change in me through prayer. As a result of meeting my creator, something needs to change in me. All right. Then with this expectation, you come to your prayer and you pray and everything starts changing. Let me give you an example. Um, you go to your ruku and you're like, uh, What does that mean? 
Or for example, you've gone to your sajda, you're coming up from your sajda, and then you're like, And before you would say these things because they told you to say this, it's mustahab, you'll get a reward. But if you change that expectation, and this is the most important step, change the expectation, expect more. These prayers need to change me. My creator has designed this in such a way that's best for me to change. Hope. Then why am I saying, Why am I saying, Right? And, and this will naturally open your eyes to these different parts of the prayer. Ooh. So much can happen. In one podcast, we can't open all of it. But if you want, we can open a few of them to, to, to show um, how much it's like prayer opens up a whole new dimension to it once you take it seriously and once you expect spiritual change from it. I think there's two groups of people, right? Probably even as our viewers are going to be one of these two. There are some who really read the word on, you know, they have really reading it, mashallah, they know the stories and they're like quite knowledgeable of it. And then there are some who um, will be like, we tried it. I love to read it. I love to enjoy it. But I just don't know how to. Like they open the Quran and, and then it says, for example, you know what, the, uh, some rulings about divorce. And then they open another one. And it's like, okay, so this happened to that group. And you just can't relate to it, Right. And, and the group who are enjoying it, when they want to talk to this group who are frustrated with it, I don't think they're doing a great job of explaining what can you gain out of this book, right? So I think part of the reason Quran doesn't have that much of a place in our life is that we have lost, not everyone, but a lot of us, the way to benefit from this book in a real sense. In a sense that I'm reading this book and it's providing me with solutions with my life. It's changing me. It's relevant to my life, right? Not just for the thawab, not just because I love it, because every Muslim loves the Quran naturally. And, and, and I see, for example, I've been reading it for four or five years and I'm, ch- I'm seeing changes in my life. My insights are better. This part, I think we have failed to transfer this to our, you know, um, to current generation. I don't know if you feel like you relate to that or how do you feel about that? Personally, in terms of like my relation with the Quran is I will, from time to time, in moments of, of distress or, or whatever it is, I, I have this thing where I flick open the Quran on a random surah mm-hmm. and random yeah. verse, right? Yeah. And I do that from my phone, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll, I'll close my eyes and I just like swipe and then I tap and then I swipe again and I tap and... I will I'll use that almost as a way of of seeing <laughs> what I'm being told to do, right, or not to do, right. Um, and and there's there's been like creepy, absolutely like scarily creepy, accurate like answers back at times. Now, I, I'll tell you that for sure, right? Like as in if, yeah. if dude, I, when I mean like accurate, like it's it's scary, right? And I'm seeing this happening, right? And you're looking at it and you're like thinking, wow, this thing actually exists, right? Allah actually exists. It's not like a joke now, right? It's actually there, right? But then I've spoken to family and friends and I'm not kind of claiming myself to be some like crazy, righteous, super pious person. It's just like, this is almost like hack that I found, right? It's almost like a Dean hack, right? And 
but people are scared of of putting themselves in that position almost they're like no i can't be the one that does that i have to get a scholar to do nistikhara for me if i like do you get what i mean it's like not willing to have that vulnerability with god because we've perceived ourselves as almost like two lowly beings um that need like an interface of scholars or prophets or imams between us before we're able to to actually get that direct connection if do you understand what I'm coming from there isn't like a nice <laughs> agreed upon explained beautiful way of bringing what onto our life and benefiting from all the wisdom that's in there because i think there's just so much and as a result of that then having a, a community or a society that reflects the quran because i don't think right now we can point to any muslim community or society and say, see, the values of Quran are represented there. You know, I was listening to Sheikh Hassan Farhan al-Maliki, and he was saying that sometimes when I open the Quran, I'm like, who are the people who believe in this book? I can't find them in this world, you know? So this is what I'm saying, that even if a person individually finds a way to maybe bring some elements of the Quran, but Quran as a whole has not found its place in our lives, you know? And, and, and this is something we need to change. And personal ways are beautiful, but something that can work for everyone, that's something we desperately need. I think we should either at some point as Muslims sit down and decide, is Quran like really a big deal or not? Right? I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh, what are you on about? I think it's a big deal. But I don't think we've done a good job in respecting this big deal, right? Uh, and it's, it shows itself in so many different ways. Like, okay, what are the priorities of Quran? That's a question. Many Muslims may not even think about. We're so focused on certain things. Okay, what is the re relationship between, for example, Arbada and Taqwa? What is Taqwa according to the Quran? Do we have it right now? We don't. Um, do our societies really look like the values of Quran? I think, well, if we agree Quran is a big deal, which we think it is, then why is it not working? Who, honestly, which fair person can, lit, can look at any Muslim community and say they are representing Quran. If not, we need to change. And I think we can. We can. There are ways. There are scholars who are helping us get there. Uh, we just need to have that expectation. You know? Is it is it fair to say that the way Allah has created this situation, right, that, that we're in, right, this world, right, this earth, this life, for us to individually find our way, or does it need to be communitively? Does it need to be that kind of synchronized and uniform? It doesn't have to be uniform, but I think it has to be in, in a community, right? Uh, one of my favorite surahs in the Quran is, uh, you know, الصالحات, and at the end, these two beautiful gems. Right? So it says both in their journey of truth seeking and in, in, in their sabr, which is like being strong and resilient and patient throughout the challenges, you need the support of people. Right, Tawasa, it's a mutual relationship. You, you, we can't do it on our own. We have, we need other people. And um, I think it's so important for so many reasons. First of all, individually, uh, we're, we, our impact on the world is not that much. Individually, we're going to have so many blind spots in our thinking. You know, there are so many reasons how having a community can, can help us. 
I wanted to um, just quickly touch upon um, your recent book that you've uh, alhamdulillah published and, and things are going well from what I from what I can see. Um, tell me about that a little bit more, this project and, and, and what kind of, uh, what was the origin behind that? Yeah, sure, sure. So, you know, actually it's uh, very relevant to what we were just discussing now. The, the same thing I said about the Quran, that there's so much more we can gain from it, I think it's true about the Ahadith as well. One of the habits we have is just a person comes and shares, for example, the Hadith on social media. Uh, what is the context of this Hadith, its relationship with other Ahadith? Nothing, no context, no explanation. Yeah, you know? There you are. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I actually consider that a kind of disrespect. I don't know what means it. Right, but but this wasn't how we treated our tradition back in the days. If you wanted to pass on hadiths, you had to like you know be trained, get the whole context. Because sometimes a hadith can be explained by some other hadith, and you actually realize, oh my god, it's not what it meant. So this book that uh, with my wife uh, we published, it's called Revival of the Heart, um, was an attempt to present the ahadith in a way that I felt like it's loyal to our beautiful Islamic tradition. Um, revival of, uh, everything about it is taken from a tradition. Revival of the heart, we got it from a hadith that says, right? Revive your heart through wise teachings and ma'adha. So that's where the name comes from. Why? And it's a collection of 40 hadiths because of another hadith by the prophet in which he says that, uh, whoever memorizes 40 hadiths, they will be resurrected as a scholar. Uh, so everything about it is from, from that. But what we've done, at least we hope we've done, is that for every hadith, we're not just going to leave it there without any explanation. We try to make it relevant to the person's life, right? So we take it from where it is, which is like in our beautiful tradition, and bring it to your life. Say, see, this is your life. This is how it applies. One practical example, Bismillah, go for it. Um, so that was the goal behind it. And Alhamdulillah, um, it's out now. So we really hope, inshallah, it helps people connect with the Ahadith in a more practical way. No, no, for sure. And it was it was, uh, it was a very warm feeling for me to see um, people's uh, response to the book, Alhamdulillah, on social media, like even, even like my own, uh, I've, I've seen like my own friends and stuff like that um, posting um with with the, with the book and stuff so i'm really really happy for you that these uh, things are, are going well um where can people uh reach out and purchase this right now uh, so right now it's uh, on javadanzahra.com okay. javadanzahra.com I'll, I'll leave a link in the description for that as well yeah so for now it's only on that website but inshallah i'm trying to put an I'm preparing an electric version, like an ebook version of it as well, to to because some people may want it that way. But for now, it's yeah, only on that website. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah. No, Alhamdulillah, it's been very nice for me because one of the things we said in the introduction, for example, see, you know how things are. Uh, like uh, one of the goals we had was like teach methodologies, right? So one of the masalan important methodology point is that don't just read the book. Like that's one of the things in the introduction we said. Don't read the book. Don't finish it. Right? He said, read one hadith and stop. Mm. Think about it. If you feel like it relates to you, put it on a sticky note and you can put the book aside for a week, focus on that hadith. Right? So, uh, and Alhamdulillah, it seems like it's working. Like I saw someone said, I'm trying to read 10 hadiths 
focus on them and then move to the next. Some people say I'm reading one hadith a day. So, so I like it. It's, it's bringing this discussion of how should we approach the tradition. And, it, and many people are, you know, coming up with their own ways. But this is what I wanted. Don't just put the hadith there, no explanation. We all memorize it and move on. Right. So I think that the book was actually an experiment of let's come up with better methodologies of making tradition work for us. Right. Is it OK if I go through one of the hadiths? I was just going to ask you to give me one example. For yeah, sure. Beautiful. I love all of these, obviously, because these are <laughs> you know, prophets, hadiths, naturally. Oh, use, my, use my method of uh, just opening on a random page. There we go. We came to this hadith. Know that the needs of people from you are the blessings of God upon you, right? And um, so it's, it's, you know, it's, I think, now this hadith, let's, before the explanation, know that the, bless, the, the needs of people uh, from you are the blessings of God's upon you. Well, it's nice. It's a hadith, beautiful. Imagine reading that online. I'm going to move on, right? But now imagine opening up, sitting with this hadith and reflecting on it. That, what, what, what does that mean? Needs of people on me, blessings of God. Well, and then I, we, we explain, we even give this, uh, actually give a few examples. Like um, imagine there's, um, there's a people in your life that really needs you and, and how do you feel when you're helping them, etc. We really try to, you know, go to how the person feels and then we place the hadith there. And a lot of people have told me that now the way the hadith is explained they, they read it a few days later, someone asked for a favor, their mom, a sibling, someone. And initially they felt a little bit of resistance. Oh, this person. But immediately the hadith came to their mind. Oh, this person right now needing me. This means that God has a, has, has a special lesson for me. There's something for me to gain through this. God is trying to help me grow. They immediately remembered the hadith and suddenly their mood changed. From being, you know, resentful, I have to be there again for mom or she'll, to, oh my God, lovely. You know, it brings the hadith to their life. And, uh, and this is, uh, you know, something as simple as this can make our tradition so much more practical. So, uh, so that, that's one example, basically. Aji, it's interesting that you, you, you read that hadith as well, right? Because one of the things I've been um, thinking about, uh, and I guess this is almost like, a live reflection to the hadith you've just uh, yeah. mentioned is this uh, narrative of struggle and suffering um, mm. that I feel like large swathes of like the human population have become almost like dependent on to have some sort of narrative and identity, right? Um, and oftentimes even what will happen is that we will, we will get annoyed on behalf of someone else who's allegedly suffering because of our own mindset right which is for example the the idea of giving care right and doing things out of like gen, genuine like love and kindness and 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 you know what i mean rather than it being this like commodity that needs to be bartered and exchanged with right so for example like and eventually we'll, we'll do a podcast uh, perhaps about this as well but like in like relationships for example right mm. we're seeing for example we get a lot of people reaching out to the muslim vibe and this this conversation which is like we've become like, we made to be, uh, compete against each other, 
right? Mm-hmm. Because and I guess you can argue it's like because of capitalism or whatever it might be, like there's changed the mindsets of people, right? Where everything is in exchange for something, like a favor is in exchange for something, right? Yeah, yeah. So now all of a sudden you've got like a grandparent or an uncle or your own family member, whatever it might be, right? That needs your help. And because our mindset is this kind of like everything is an exchange. Yeah, it becomes a burden rather than us actually mm-hmm. looking at it as like, oh wow, it's a mercy that someone's actually reached out and said, hey, I need mm. to borrow X amount of money, or you know, I'm struggling again with my mental health, or I need I need someone to talk to, mm. or I need someone to stay. Do you get what I mean, right? Absolutely, um, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's such an important point you mentioned. I, I sh- just today was talking with my wife Zahra, who is a co-author of the book, and about this very same issue that right now the culture is so individualistic and it's had benefits by the way i'm not judging it because most of us were so used to this <laughs> that we can't live in, in probably a different culture but we have to see both good and bad but the downside of it is that yes it's 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 very much like that if your mom for example is going through a difficult time they'll be like yeah but is mom your mom really your responsibility you know mm. like you set mm. boundaries focus on your own self and a lot of it there are some beautiful points there but at the same time it's very different to our own version of spirituality and and the difficulty for us right now i think is that we are uprooted from a lot of us from our own traditions from our culture and we're placed in an individualistic society and so if you go to a therapist that's where they're going to tell you if you you know so it's like every person is like in the middle of two worlds one in which for example the imam comes and tells you or the prophet comes and tells you and then your therapist who tells you no no you really need to set boundaries with this person and then and and i'm not saying setting boundaries is wrong in fact setting boundaries is so important but it's, it's just finding the right balance for it and one of the things as well, which I'm realizing is that it is very true. I think even like Islamically for me, it's very true that you have to um, focus on yourself. But the way Islamically I understand the self is much larger than one person. You know, yeah. your family is part of yourself, your community to some degree is part. And, and at some point, the whole humanity is part of yourself, right? And, and, and I think it's so important for us Muslims to have these discussions to um and of course we can't even get help from other people like i'm going actually right now getting trained as a psychotherapeutic counselor and in the class we have a lot of discussions because we've got some for example british people there lovely people we've got some spanish people lovely people myself iranian and the discussions which happen in the class are so interesting for example some of the the people who are for example british and i respect their culture so much they're like, you know what? It has to be like this, clear cut between you and your family. Then the Spanish one says, no, the not culture is not like that. If I do that, it's disrespect. And, and it's so nice to know, oh, there are so many ways of doing this life thing. And for us as Muslims, from whatever culture we are, we need to figure out where do we fit here? What is, what is the boundary between me and my family, my community? How can I have a healthy relationship while at the same time being true to these beautiful teachings that we have? Masalan, there's another hadith. Um, I hope I can quickly find it. It says that, and I die for this hadith. It's so beautiful. So many. The best of you is the one who's the best for their family. Uh, or, the, you know who has had the best life? 
the one whose life made the life of other people better. Mm. And this hadith has had such a huge impact on people. Like some people tell me, you know what? I've got an ill husband. I have to be there for them. And I can see my friends are getting ahead in my career and feeling behind. Or someone says I've got a disabled child and they're feeling they're being left behind because the culture is telling them, yeah, it's your career that defines your value. But then comes this hadith and says, no, who said that's your value? You don't want to know who's got the best life, the one whose life makes the life of other people better. And suddenly just having this hadith as part of who you are changes so much for people. So, yeah, I think it's a very important point you mentioned. And as you can see, I spoke so much about it. <laughs> no, honestly, it's, it's, just... you, you, know, you know, what's interesting is that um, the, the hadiths that you've, you've read so far, these are hadiths that are making me feel very warm and fuzzy inside. You know, <laughs> this thing, life, like you mentioned, right? And we were trying to figure out our different ways to manage it. And, and, and like you said, boundaries and like, you know, where, where's the line and our emotional health and all this kind of stuff, right? But these are all hadiths that are kind of like, from the four that I've heard so far, like they, they, they seem to be uh, defrosting those tensions mm. is the best way to put it, you know? Mm. Um and I, I feel like a lot of people are probably universally experiencing the same the same things. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. And and it's you're so right, you know, because at the end of the day, we're human beings, and I think um, we're a certain way. And I think the current culture is not natural for a human being, right? We're not meant to be so isolated, so separate, and. And I can see why it happened, by the way. I'm not one of those people who says, oh, let's go back to how things were. Because I know there was a lot of toxic relationships there. I know sometimes aunts can, uncles can get judgmental, aunts can get nosy, or I mean, uncles can get nosy too, no, no sexual discrimination there. So I'm, you know, as a person who's lived both in Iran and here, like equally in my life, I can see that. The, the the beautiful spiritual version that that which that makes us feel fuzzy hasn't like been fully idealized even in some of the cultures we came from. So sometimes when we tell people that you know what there's this thing, they immediately go, no, Masalam, I'm, I'm living in Iran, I'm living in Pakistan, no relatives are so annoying. I prefer being this individualist. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. It's another thing. And I think even the, 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 the fact that we lived in the West has really helped us to see that, yes, there's advantages and people mm -hmm. not being too mm -hmm. nosy. My mom sometimes mentions stories. Oh, I shouldn't have said my mom. I'm going to continue with anyway. Probably, hopefully. She was saying, when some people got married early on, in-laws would go to their houses and judge the way they cooked. And I'm like, oh, that's nasty. That's not nice. You know, someone's cooking the food they're trying to learn. First of all, why are you expecting the wife to cook? And then she, and then on stuff, the husband coming and saying, oh, your cooking is terrible. So all, the, all of that is nasty. We don't want that. Mm. But we have to realize that we as human beings were not designed to live on our own without our relatives, without our friends. We cannot do it. Um, just yesterday I was reading well, I don't want to make it too you know but the suicide rates in Australia is higher than the rates of death by COVID and, and imagine like Australia is, is even a country that not that much you know it, it's like relatively and, and, and it's showing we, we are not designed to be this isolated beings that we are can you believe it Hasib sometimes I speak to people and I see their siblings. They're, they're going through like a 
mental breakdown their siblings don't know. They're well, forget about cousins or we are trying to carry the weight of life on ourselves. I mean, Sheikh Jawad, like, is in, you know, what, one of the reasons uh, for coming out here to California actually was this, right? Like, um, maybe I don't want to overshare too much, but it's just like, you know, like London life or city life, right? Mm. So one thing that I've, I've noticed, when you're born in a village, when you grow up, you want to move to a city. When you, you're born in a city, you grow up, you want to move to like a village, right? So for me, I come from like an urban jungle of London, right? And got married and alhamdulillah moved to... I would say one of my favorite places in the UK, Watford. Shout out Watford, right? <laughs> I love it there. Trees, parks, beautiful, right? Yeah. Um, and I was like, you know what? This is okay. This is a nicer pace, you know. This is a nicer pace. You're more connected with God and all this stuff, right? But ultimately, you're still living in London. You're still living, well, kind of like Greater London or like UK, right? And life is just very individualistic. Yeah. You go to work. You come home. You you know you play with your kid for a bit. You eat your food. She goes to sleep. Netflix goes on. All right. If you're feeling yeah. pious, Sheikh Javad lecture goes on. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you you know you get peckish. You order Uber Eats. You don't even go to the restaurant anymore. It comes delivered yeah. to you. You're happy. Right. Yeah. Halal food galore. Right. In in, in the UK. Right. Yeah. And that's it. Now you might see your your family. In a couple of weekends time you might invite oh in fact because of pandemic times we've experienced like years yeah. two years of not being able to do that so freely right yeah and i was just like no i can't i can't do this man i, I can't yeah. no no i can't forgive me I can, I can do this i can't do this to my kid mm. you know mm. uh one one i don't even know if it's a hadith it might even have some there might even be a hadith that's similar to this right but like it takes a village to raise a child yeah right yeah. And the way I'm looking at it is that like my daughter is just experiencing this mundane mon routine of dad comes home, da, 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 this happens. Then we wait all the way to Saturday and Sunday before there's any other human beings that we engage with, absolutely, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And she's only witnessing, that she's, she's got a limit of two days potentially in seven days, right? Of witnessing mm. other humans doing exchanges of goodness and rahmah to each other. Mm. This will be the time yeah. we invite guests and we feed them. That's yeah. a beautiful thing to witness. Yeah. But it's limited yeah. to Saturday and Sunday only now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My setup over here, Sheikh Javad, the option that I had in California was, Alhamdulillah, my wife's family, there's like five of us that live on the same road. Mm. So now Tuesday night is now, oh, a biryani at Auntie X's house. Absolutely. Everyone's there. And, and, and my daughter gets to witness that exchange You can't, we can't like So what, what I've got is almost like a hybrid village situation mm. <laughs> So, so we've still got, we still got Wi-Fi We've still got all the, yeah. all the comforts and luxuries that we're used to But it is that villagey feeling, right? Where it's just like more family, yeah. more exchanges of goodness More exchanges of yeah. duties and responsibilities and chores And like, because without yeah. that it's, it's, it, it, it can kill, like it can kill you Like that's why, yeah. you know, it can make you suicidal Literally, like it's just you. Like it's yeah. just oh, that's so. Yeah. Like you know what what irks me, which is like, sh I shudder when I look at it. The amount of one bedroom apartments being sold in cities. Mm. You know these studios yeah. where it's just one human being living in, in like yeah. that's yeah. like whoa, like you know, yeah. like yeah. eating on your own, eating yeah. on your own. Like how depressing is, is that? How sad is that? 
Like not judging yeah. anyone doing it, right? But like we've been there. Like I, I I've done it myself, and it's like nah, I'd rather wait. I'd I'd rather eat with someone. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There's um, it's and I think increasingly. Sorry, I got people... a little bit passionate there. <laughs> no, no, I'm, because it's an important topic. It's a very important topic. It's it's very important for me as well, and um, a lot of people are suffering. Um, and it's as if we've forgotten how to connect, how to connect as human beings. And um, so I, I think it's so vital for us now to, to figure this out. And I know it's not going to be simple, right? Many people can, you know, they cannot leave, uh, leave where they are. They have to stay in their situation, you know, financial struggles. I know it's like a real difficult, but I think just, as a community, as as a society, just realizing that this is a very serious need, you know, like um, depression in in our teenage girls. I mean, as a whole, because of the use of social media, has gone so high, and uh, they're not connected to real people. All they see is, you know, like fake things online, and these are real challenges that we need to fix. And um, and I think. This is why I think like some of these ahadith are, are really important for us, you know, to change the way we look at the world. Because even right now, sometimes, it, because because it's so important, even if, let's say, relatives come together. If they come together and they start talking about how you bought Bitcoin, oh, you know what? <laughs> you're bringing the same mentality of, of it's all about career, 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 again, mm -hmm. to this place. You're not going to mm -hmm. relax. You're not going to. So there are so many things we need to learn. One is realize that you need some time for yourself, for your family. God will put baraka in your work, right? God works in such beautiful ways, like taking care of your parents, taking, you know, being there for your family. Just God will make up for it in your work in ways you cannot imagine right and, and and so so that's important because sometimes i feel like even when people come together no one is connecting you need especially now as a counselor i'm seeing it the person tells me that my family doesn't know what i'm going through i'm like wow you've been seeing each other every day no one knows so so that's one element of realizing how important this is and not worrying about and the other thing is making ourselves more pleasant. And I said, and some people tell me they cannot stand their father. And I'm like, what's your father like? And they tell me, and I'm like, yeah, I can't stand your father either. Right? Or they tell, you know what? This is what my aunt did to me. This is what my, you know, and I'm like, yeah, fair enough. I can see why you don't want to see them. Right. And, and, the, and, and part of it is because like, we need to become nicer people. We need to try and be more pleasant when our people around us, because Otherwise, naturally, especially living in a society that's pushing us to be alone, if uncle is a little bit judgmental, if auntie is not too nice, I'm not going to see her. I have the option not to see her for three years. So we also need to realize we need to work on ourselves a little bit as parents, as aunts, as uncles. Let's be a little bit nicer. Let's listen to people. One of the things I'm realizing, I mean, as I'm showing it, I'm not listening. <laughs> we really need to listen to each other. I said, on husbands and wife, your husband's talking, your wife is talking. Just listen. Your, your niece is talking. Just listen. I said, and how many of us have asked our nephews and nieces, how are you feeling? Mm. Just tell me, mm. you know? So the more we do these things, the more it will be easier for people to connect. And, um, and this is why I say that we're not representing the Quran because Quran is all about these things. So, Sheikh, we've got a short window 
I'll say mm-hmm. generationally, right? Because yeah. obviously, uh, us lot in our age range now, you know, we're starting families and, and kids are getting involved in the equation, right? Uh, second generation, third generation um, Muslims and, and, and whatnot. And um, obviously, you know, when you talk about things like social media and the effect, obviously, that's having, having on, on mental and spiritual health, right? Um, it's only kind of going to get even more trippier soon, right? With, with the advent of metaverse and stuff like this, right? Um, so I think like the focus on, on Muslim families um, and family building is is uh, one of urgent attention. So inshallah, like one of the things that we're going to be working on um, mm-hmm. in in a, in a couple of weeks, uh, we're going to be kind of uh, rolling it out, and, and people will see on social media and stuff, is the My Muslim Family Project. Mm. Um, and so inshallah, that's going to be um, dedicated specifically to issues around raising and building like a God centric like Muslim family. Um, and of course, I can't wait to have you involved with that project as well. Um, I feel like these hadiths that you've mentioned, like those are those those will play like a like a foundational kind of uh, position in, in, in a project like that, right? Because these are family um, principles almost. No, bless you. I, I think it's such an important project. Honestly, I I cannot emphasize how important it is, and obviously you know it better than anyone because you're starting it. So, so bless you, Jazakumullah, and may Inshallah God help you for it to go smoothly. It's so important, and um, yeah, Inshallah we need to do much more with regard to families. Inshallah, Inshallah. Sheikh Jawad, it's been uh, a pleasure catching up with you. For sure, there's a lot more to talk about, and we're going to get more and more precise. Um, as we go on in future podcasts, inshallah. Inshallah. Best of uh, luck, inshallah, with everything. It was an honor to be your third guest. And uh, I, I pray, inshallah, for you and for the, for the Muslim vibe and also the new project. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Where can people reach out to you if they want to find out more information about what you're working on, your book, so on and so forth? Yeah, so MJ Shomali. Um, on Instagram, so M J Shomali on Instagram, and there I, there's linked for everything. So that was our conversation with Sheikh Javad. Uh, really hope you guys found that uh, as inspiring as I did, and I genuinely meant it. I felt like those hadiths that he mentioned um, were quite warming. Uh, is the only way I can kind of explain it at this stage. So yeah, I definitely recommend uh, checking out the book. Link in the description below. You can also reach out to him on Instagram as well. So I've left the link for that as well in the description. Uh, before I sign out, guys, uh, if I could just kindly remind you again, uh, if you could uh, like, comment, subscribe, all that jazz, it will be hugely appreciated. Um, and until next time, take care, guys. Salam alaikum.